0: Welcome back to the Act Takeover on ESPN New Orleans one hundred point three, your flagship station for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um the kickoff is two o'clock hour. Uh we will have Eric Alexander again on at two fifteen uh to talk about the LSU Tigers. Uh but as I just said before, my good friend uh Todd Graffanini at NT Graf on Twitter, uh just came in, uh, who happens to also be the voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh how how you doing today, Todd, and your uh pelican shirt uh
1: madeline hudak how are you uh it's been a banner week or uh, for uh one todd graff and in the last seven days but uh great to hear you on the radio uh taking over for gus i can confirm ladies and gentlemen i know everybody out there is worried but the uh tulane women did win so gus cat yes roll waves so gus cat to start his 10th year as the voice of the Tulane women's basketball team did not start it out as a loser, so congratulations, Gus. Uh, I think he's actually still doing the post game, but uh, yeah, they did win, and the Tulane men are playing tonight at seven o'clock. And uh, your colleague Corey Glor will be calling that game, his first ever Tulane men's basketball game, is the voice of the Wave. Well, I think I have some idea of how that works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, uh, this is also the you know former voice of, of Tulane Greenway football and baseball. former
1: sideline reporters here too, Maddie. Yes, it yeah. is
0: a a lot of wave in this building, yes,
1: there is, yes, there is, uh, but like
0: you said, you were just over on on quite the west coast trip uh for uh you know a pelicans' away game stretch um where you know unfortunately they weren't able to, to, to get a win out of out of any of those games uh but You know, in falling 108-92 to the Dallas Mavericks last night, uh, what did you, you know, really see in that performance? Yeah,
1: just, again, very difficult when you're talking about a team that's undermanned. And I know people out there are tired of hearing of it, but that's reality right now. And in the NBA, you know, I know you talk about next man up mentality Mm -hmm. all the time in, in your articles. And you obviously cover football and you're a part of a college football team. How many times have you heard the expression next man up in a year? I mean, if you could over under it, it'd be 150 probably. Well, next man up in basketball is a little different than it is in football because of the amount of people that are on the field at one time. Uh, You know, the the most difficult position to next man up is quarterback, especially if you're dealing with an outstanding quarterback. It's tough to replace that. But on a basketball court it's really, really difficult to replace that when you're talking about your two best players and the Pelicans right now are without their two best players and they will scratch, they will claw, they will fight, they play with energy, but at some point in a close ball game, you need closers. And right now the Pelicans are without closers. And those are Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram who are not available. And, You know, it it happened last night. Pelicans played tough, actually had an 11-point lead early. And slowly but surely, the lead went away, and Dallas is healthy. They've got all their guys. They've got Luka. They've got Porzingis. They've got Jalen Brunson. And the Pelicans just didn't have the firepower to match, and they just kind of faded down the stretch. And that really was the theme. Uh, It's been the theme most of the season actually uh early on in the season and it was definitely theme on that the theme on that road trip
0: and i am i correct in that they were also without uh herb jones oh yes
1: and herb jones your your personal favorite yeah uh, if you remember so a lot of jerseys by the way maddie
0: yeah if you remember my rant when i first took over the show it was essentially a 15 minute opening segment on why i love defense and why yes. yeah the nba sometimes doesn't excite me as much and why the playoffs get to me but Herb Jones to me is literally, you know, my NBA player wrapped up in a perfect package.
1: Yes, it is. Now Herb isn't what you would call a scorer as of yet, <laughs> but he's he was kind of starting to get there before he got hurt. Uh, in that, uh, in, in practice, actually, he was coming back from concussion protocol, and he was going to be cleared to play. And then in the conditioning game, as we call it, at four o'clock, when we walked into the building, I was watching the scrimmage, and like Herb looks. Like he's ready to go and kind of left the area and came back and found out that he rolled his ankle and he wasn't going to be available. So rolled his ankle? Yeah. No, he's not in concussion protocol anymore. He's actually he actually hurt his ankle. Now, that being said, I I thought he had a chance to play last night. I think they're just kind of erring on the side of caution mm-hmm. right now with the three game homestand coming up. I would be stunned if he did not play tomorrow. And me personally.
0: Uh, For people listening, what? Oh yes, that would be
1: the Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder Mm -hmm. at seven o'clock in the Smoothie King Center. Be there.
0: And how have they matched up with Oklahoma? You know, well, haven't played
1: them yet. They're uh, they're a a division opponent. Uh, Oklahoma City has been kind of in a rebuild mode. They've got more draft picks than you could possibly imagine in the next few years. But you know, they've got a player in Shea Gilgis Alexander, who by the way is Nikhil Alexander Walker's cousin um and he has just been phenomenal in his three years in the league and you know they've won three games they actually beat san antonio the other night so uh look this is going to be every game's difficult right now for the pelicans every single one of them but uh, i'm not going out on a thick limb here that uh, the pelicans got to have one uh got to have it in a big way i mean one in nine is not good six in a row is not good on the, on the back end, hopefully we're going to get some members of the cavalry to come back. We'll hope that Brandon Ingram is going to be uh, getting better. He has been, um, but we got to get Herb Jones back on the court, and just we got to get some firepower, especially from the bench. who got outscored forty to ten last night.
0: And again, this is the voice of the Pelicans, Todd Grafanini at NT Graf on Twitter. You know, what did uh, the
1: Saints do this weekend? Because I kind of blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I I uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean I know.
0: <laughs> Caught me off.
1: I know. I. Um, I was about
0: to make the joke earlier you know, when we were talking let about. Let me tell you something.
1: <laughs> Again, it, it's been a rough seven days, Maddie. I mean, I'm on the road. The Pelicans aren't winning. I'm flying from San Francisco to Dallas on Saturday. I'm listening to you and Corey and Steve call the Tulane UCF game. The way played so hard, played so good defensively, and to just score ten points, you know, just. Very, very difficult to lose that game at the end. And then you back it up on Sunday. I'm in a sports bar in Dallas, literally the only television in the entire sports bar. I commandeered it uh, for the Saints game.
0: Sounds like me in San Francisco. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I look,
1: I, I. you know, you talk about amongst the enemy. I mean, <laughs> it was all Dallas and, and me. And, um, man, that sucked. I, uh, look... There's one team that I hate more than anybody on the planet, and it's the Atlanta Falcons. And I think anybody who knows me knows that. I was on Gus's show on Friday, just kind of talking about it. And look, losing games is one thing. It happens. It happens in the NFL. I mean, we saw what happened around the NFL that day. The, the, I mean, Jacksonville beating Buffalo. Who had that on oh. their bingo card? Nobody. <laughs> okay.
0: Or the Browns. Uh, exactly. Suddenly OBJ not mattering at all and what, the Bengals. By, by
1: the way, uh, OBJ becomes a free agent literally at the end of this show. Oh, Nobody wow. claims him, so talk. there's somebody to, uh, to watch here. Not that I'm thinking about that. But, not only do we lose the game, okay? And I know you've gotten into the quarterbacks. I, I, I'm not getting into all that. I, I,
0: Why? I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, I'm joking. I'm absolutely joking. <laughs>
1: You can't lose to the Falcons, buddy. You can't. (laughs) And I'm getting trolled by Atlanta people because I go on Atlanta radio. Every week of Saints, you know, Saints-Falcons, I got to go on just because. So not only do we lose the game to our most bitter rival, then I got to get trolled. And I'm not in a really good mood after a Saints loss to the Falcons. Never am. So it, it just, you know. I kind of went into a very dark place at about three fifteen on Sunday afternoon.
0: Well, I don't know if this makes you feel any in better. Dallas, by the way, yeah. Well, that's certainly you know a friendly environment to recoup from a Saints Falcons <laughs> loss. By who, by the Bronco. way, we're getting
1: drummed at the exact same time by the Broncos. Mm-hmm.
0: And was... who are uh, coming to the Dome in just a few weeks? Yeah. So yeah. we will see that then. But I don't know if this made me feel better or worse upon rewatch. But. uh Matt Ryan really, frankly, had like, you know, the game of his career uh, at that point. I I feel like the Falcons are a team that, you know, there's a reason that there's such a bitter bitter rivalry. It's because no matter what the team's records are, no matter how they played up until literally the week heading into that game, uh, to me, uh, everything is on an even playing field with the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. I
1: agree 100%. And I went on an Atlanta show Sunday morning and. You know, we're talking about the game and I said, look, I've watched all of these games, all of them, and uh, I'll tell you very, you know, very early on if the Falcons are going to be a threat, very early in the ball game, are they converting on third down, which they did early now. I think the Saints did a good job defensively as the game moved along, but noodle arm was starting to complete those passes that Only he can do it with a horseshoe, you know, lodged somewhere on his person. And here's the thing, too. And this is what was not happening on the Saints side, Maddie. And I go back and I'm not, again, this is no bearing on who was quarterbacking or who quarterbacked on Sunday. I think the
0: consensus is the quarterback had nothing to do with the Saints. And who is going to
1: quarterback moving forward. But the thing about Drew Brees, and I know it just kind of, Jabbed you in the old heart there and the old ticker. Well, the thing about Drew Brees and why, you know, exhibit number 100 and why he was so great is because he made everybody else better around him and guys made plays for him and nobody made any plays for Trevor Simeon. And if you watch the Atlanta side, they made plays for him. He's throwing to guys I've never even heard of. who is that you couldn't even pick him out of a uh, of a just wide receiver lineup and he's throwing balls in the dirt and this guy's coming up with him he's throwing screen passes to fullbacks who you can't again you don't even know who they are and they're leaping six feet up in the air and they're coming do you you understand what i'm saying they're making plays for matt ryan and trevor samian the, the one that really got me, and again, the poor people that sat around me in that sports bar, especially in the first half, got a show because I was really trying to kind of keep it under wraps, but it, it was pretty impossible at, at that point. But the fourth down to Troutman was the one that, that got me. Um, I, I, I walked out. I walked out of the bar. I, I had to just kind of reassess the situation. Because if you think about all the opportunities that the Saints had to extend drives and were not able to do it because of the drop passes, it's a completely different football game. No matter what happens with the defense, or or you've got to possess the football, and when you have chances to convert on third down, you've got to do it. And that's why the Falcons won the game, that and... And I tweeted at you while the game was going on. You were, these explosive plays are what
0: gives. We didn't lay a finger on noodle arm the
1: entire day. I was about to say, you brought up third downs
0: late in the game, but the two sacks didn't come until the penultimate drive. He sat there in the
1: pocket the entire day. And when you hit him early in the football game, and again, I've watched them all. When you hit him early and often, not only does he start getting happy feet, he starts seeing ghosts and he starts throwing interceptions. And he did none of that the other day. They didn't turn it over. The Falcons did not turn it over. And to me, that was the ballgame.
0: It, it very much to me as well, the second that Matt Ryan was running in touchdowns on his own regard, uh, I kind of, my Nauseating. thoughtful, yeah, analysis of all of that, uh, somewhat went out of the building. Um, we have still, you know, uh, up until three o'clock to go, so we will definitely continue this conversation on uh, the later segments. Uh, but for our two fifteen segment, we have a former LSU Tiger. He played with the New England Patriots, and he's currently LSU's Game Day Live analyst on CST. His name's Eric Alexander, and you can find him on Twitter at e a underscore LSU Tiger. Again, this is Maddie Hudak uh, taking over the Sports Hangover for Gus Catengale while he calls a successful Tulane women's hoop. He's game. a winner. He's a winner. Goosey, you're a winner. Congratulations to Gus. Uh, said, yeah, said unfortunately can't be said <laughs> for. Uh, Everyone else that, uh, no, experience this week. It's been a rough week. week. Yeah. A rough week. <laughs> so again, I'm here in studio with Todd Graffanini, voice of the New Orleans Pelicans at NT Graff on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as well at Maddie Hudak underscore nine four. We'll be back after this with a sports hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM.
2: 6 o'clock. They say the the sun is hot. I wish
3: Teaming up to create a healthier community, Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional
4: Medical Center present Health Watch.
2: Just as you put fuel in your car to drive from point A to point B, you need to put fuel in the form of food in your body to achieve peak performance. Good nutrition leads to increased recovery, high concentration, high confidence, and ultimately high performance. The first tip to good sports nutrition is increasing the number of times you eat per day. An example of a well-balanced day would include breakfast, a mid-morning snack, lunch, pre-practice snack, recovery snack, dinner, and an optional nighttime snack. This is helpful because the athlete may experience an increase in stabilized metabolism, maintain level blood sugars, receive constant energy and nutrients to muscles, prevent late night overeating, and ensure adequate calories throughout the day.
5: Breakfast is your kickstart for the day to maintain focus, return blood sugars to normal, and be your best as early as possible. Some good breakfast foods may be a smoothie, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, apple slices with peanut butter, waffle with fresh fruit, egg, and turkey sausage or yogurt. Lunch sustains metabolism, stabilizes blood sugar, and assists in meeting caloric goals. Some good lunch options may be peanut butter sandwich, turkey club sandwich, grilled chicken salad, ham and cheese wrap, or grilled tuna with vegetables. Snacks fuel your body, provide energy before workout, keeps you focused all day, maintains stable blood sugar, and keeps you from overeating at any given meal. Some good snacks may be roasted nuts, cracker and pretzel mix, bananas, peanut butter, or yogurt with fresh fruit.
2: Snacks play an important role in recovery nutrition, which means the body needs to refuel energy stores with carbohydrates, repair and rebuild muscle tissue with proteins, and rehydrate with water and electrolytes. Timing is everything when it comes to your recovery snack, so be sure to refuel your body within 30 to 60 minutes post-workout, practice, or game. If you have questions about nutrition before activity, snacks play an important role in recovery nutrition, which means the body needs to refuel energy stores with carbohydrates, repair and rebuild muscle tissue with proteins, and rehydrate with water and electrolytes. Please call the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional at 985 985- 493 4502 or visit us at Thibodeau.com. 985-493-4502 or visit us at Thibodeau.com.
3: Health Watch is a presentation of Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. For more information on the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional, call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com. Call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com.
2: I rescued Toes from a shelter in 2011. I love Toes because she's a lazy diva. She's sleeping right now. She's so loving. She's so comforting. When I walked into the shelter, I knew right then that she was special.
3: Start yours today. Visit the shelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States and the Ad Council.
0: Oh, big talker, ain't it?
4: The man that likes to talk. Now, back to the sports hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com.
0: Welcome back to the sports hangover. Again, it is a Hudak takeover this fine Tuesday on the Pelicans flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM, joined in studio by the voice of the Pelicans, Todd Graffanini. Uh, and our first guest, uh, or and I'm, I'm sorry, our, you know, our last guest at the, of this, uh, show is Eric Alexander at EA underscore LSU Tiger. He was a former Tiger himself. He's played for the New England Patriots and he serves as LSU's game day live analyst on CST. Uh, Eric, how are you this afternoon? I'm sorry we just lost I Eric. I think he's, I think, yeah. I think he dropped. Yeah. We'll get him back. We'll get him back. We'll get him back. I call dropped kind of like, uh, the balls, by much of the, uh, <laughs> receivers by the Saints this weekend. Wouldn't you say so, Todd? <laughs> it's not funny. You know, one of your
1: callers earlier said, yeah, you know, we talk about the game on Monday and then we kind of let it go on Tuesday. I can't let it go. Tuesday's the off day. Uh, I'll start thinking about the Tennessee Titans tomorrow. Um, I'm still in mourning here. So, um, we lost the Falcons. I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Um, oh man. Uh, you want to get into it? Taysom and Trevor before we wait for Eric?
0: Yeah, might as well. You kind of brought it up, um, you know, my, my point on, on Twitter that, uh, I, I feel like, uh, Cat Terrell is currently experiencing a very similar experience of people reading the headline and not, uh, reading the article that comes with it. Um, my headline happened to be one where I said that if you're being serious, what we're asking, you know, Trevor Simeon to do, not, you know, not just that game, but the rest of this season is to elevate himself to the level of Drew Brees because did did Breeze have Emmanuel Sanders last season? He did. He was out for a couple of games though, and and Michael Thomas was largely out for the entire season. Um, and then there's been you know time and time again where this might be you know one of the worst, if not the worst, receiving corp that they've had. But that familiarity that Breeze had with them for 15 years, you know, his ability to to diagnose defenses, audible calls, and, and kind of you know bring the game to the receivers in a way that was something he was best known for. And it's not just the accuracy, which I'm not going to, you know, fault Trevor Simeon when there are balls hitting receivers quite plainly in the hands. uh, And, you know, uh, all very catchable footballs. That all being said, when every single receiver is off, at what point are you considering if, if all parts of the whole aren't perhaps operating at their best capacity because of lack of practice, familiarity, and consistency with this offense. And to me, it's hard to ignore that Hill came in and he immediately had a connection with wide receiver one, wide receiver two, Deontay Harris, and uh, Traquan Smith for 14 and 19-yard completions back-to-back. And he was primed to take off before James Hurst committed, you know, the upteenth offensive line penalty of the day. But to me, the the openness of those receivers in a game where Payton specifically called out, you know, the lack of separation that those receivers were able to generate. Again, I implore you to go watch those two drives back. Uh, Deontay Harris was literally on an island.
1: I'd rather not watch it again. I actually, when I got home, Maddie, I, you know, I I always DVR games when I'm not home, when I'm on the road to watch again. Uh, This was one where I literally uh, put the TV on this morning because I got to the house at about 1 30 in the morning and fell right asleep so turned the tv on early in the morning saw the game was on a dvr and deleted it immediately <laughs> so i will not be watching that one again thank you very much i am glad when i wrote, read your article i completely forgot about the false start penalty and i really that, did too until that, i rewatched that taysom hill was going to run on that down i completely forgot about that Because, you know, he would have gotten five, six, seven yards. You would have had a second and three. Instead, one, you say an innocent penalty, but a false start literally cost you seven points because the next one, because if it's second... And it gave the other team seven points in return. Correct. If it's second and three, Taysom Hill doesn't come out of the game. The fact that it's first and 15, that's why Simeon goes back in. So it's just, again... It's the chain of events. It's the chain of events. And you never know what play, what sequence of plays are going to cost you. Because in the National Football League, especially in a division game, you talked about it early, when the Saints play the Falcons, it's anything goes. And you don't know what play is going to really turn the tide. And that's the one. No pun intended, because I know you're about to talk about LSU and Alabama.
0: Yeah, uh, so it looks like uh, we do uh, now have Eric Alexander uh, on the line at EA underscore LSU Tiger. How are you this afternoon, Eric?
1: He's there.
0: Eric, you there? Hello. Eric. Oh, well. All right. Well, uh technical difficulties uh seem to be the theme of today. Uh And as we were saying, same as uh the Saints. The weekend. Over this weekend. The but entire weekend. To kind of go back to what you were saying about, you know, how that one drive changed everything and how so much of that, you know, that first and 15 from a second and three made so much of a difference. Because I'm not saying the strip sack was even uh, one eon of Trevor Simeon's fault. He had about uh, 0.5 seconds before his blindside just got absolutely, you know, steamrolled by Taryn Armstead, who's fully admitted to, you know, Correct. taking responsibility for that. Uh, but what, what I saw was how the defense reacted to Hill under center, and that's what really stuck out to me in those drives when I did do that rewatch. Um, like, and 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 I said this in my article, uh, but I actually had missed the in-game quarterback switch. Uh, on that, on that, uh, play. And I thought that Hill was the one who had fumbled. And the moment I had of, well, I am never going to speak about Taysom Hill, uh, in any type of, uh, you know, fashion ever again. Because I mean, let's just be, you know, frank here. If that was Taysom in the game, even if it was the exact same play, I think that people would have pointed a lot more to Taysom there. And I'm not saying to put that on, on Simeon, but you, you talk about, you know, the, how the offensive line was performing. And what I watched when Taysom went in there was, uh, there were multiple rushers that beat, uh, Cesar Ruiz Hurst a couple times and they didn't bull rush taste him. They almost sat back and were anticipating him taking off because he is so quick as well that they weren't even really willing to pass rush him on both of those plays. And then you could just see the LBs and, and, and I think it might have been a safety in that midfield. All of a sudden, just pausing and not knowing if they should go towards Taysom or, you know, run back to their receivers. By that point, every single receiver you can see was it wasn't even lack of separation. They were literally uncovered on the field. And, you know, you can say that they were unprepared for Taysom all you want. And I will argue that they had uh, literally an entire game of preparation for this exact situation of Taysom Hill coming in. So, you know. It's not as if they were caught off guard and the defense just sat there as a result. It very much looked like to me uh, they have now been uh put on watch of a possible threat of the run and they didn't know how to react and that gave these receivers that aren't good time to get open a- as a result. And you saw them go immediately back into man coverage the next play with Simeon in and you saw those pass rushers go straight to the quarterback.
1: By the way, Taysom Hill has given the Atlanta Falcons fits fits in his NFL career fits by the way beat him twice last year as a starter um now again in no way am I advocating that Taysom Hill should have started that game on Sunday absolutely not because Taysom Hill was not a hundred percent I don't think even
0: if he was he had three days of practice to go Correct. from his role Correct. to you know
1: court no, I mean they're not going to let him on the field if he's not out of concussion protocol but you're exactly right because he just has not had any reps out there in the last couple of weeks uh, to be a starting quarterback. So, And I think that might have had a lot to do with why he wasn't really featured in the game plan as the game moved on, especially late in the game, um, even after the fumble by Simeon. But you talking about the two-point situations. You know, Taysom Hill has been very, very good in those situations. Why wasn't he in there? Is it because of something that Sean Payton is thinking about moving forward? When you're talking about Taysom Hill's health, he's taken a lot of hits this year. He missed three weeks. He missed three weeks. That's serious. That's serious. That's something to consider. And maybe Sean Payton, again, I'll never put myself in his mind, (laughs) but maybe he's just going, I got to keep this guy, A, upright, and I got to keep him from getting the type of shots where if he gets one more big hit, Matty, He's done for the year. I mean, he's not going to come back when you're talking about a concussion. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to believe, but we're still only halfway through the football season. We've got eight more games, nine. It's 17 games this year, right? We've got nine more games to go. So strap it on the roller coaster because it's, it's been such a fun ride so far. And I mean, if you had uh, Trevor Simeon beating Tampa Bay and the Saints beating Green Bay thirty eight to three on your bingo card, yeah, with and, Kevin
0: White as the leading receiver, not and and uh, and, upset
1: and losing to Carolina and the Giants and the... I mean, come on! It, the only thing that you know about the NFL is you don't know nothing.
0: Well, week nine of the NFL uh, pretty much proved uh anything but that. But it is interesting to just, you know, just for conversation's sake, this is uncharted territory for the Saints. They have yet to have a season-ending injury for a quarterback under center. It's not the same thing as Breeze going out for a four-game stretch now. We're talking, like you said, I think it's nine remaining football games to not, you know, bring that conversation up and entertain two sides of the coin in a backup competition at all.
1: And, and I want to make a comment about what you said earlier about Jameis Winston and it's such a damn shame that he got hurt it really is because he was really starting to figure it out and you made a great point earlier about not only did we see Jameis start to become a better quarterback when you're talking about reading defenses and not turning the ball over but he was starting to utilize his legs he was really an effective runner if you think about it, I mean, he was lighting Tampa up in that game, and and it's just, it really really stinks, and you feel terrible for him because it's obvious that his teammates love him. It's I mean, it's obvious that that they really like to be around the guy, and he was it was just starting to click for him, and it ends on one play.
0: Yeah, and we will continue uh, that that topic uh, if we're unable to uh, connect with Eric Alexander following this break, but we are going to come back. Uh... Again, it's me and Todd Graffinini breaking down at this point, you know, the, the Saints-Falcons-anything-goes game of this Sunday. This is the uh, flagship for the New Orleans Pelicans, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM.
5: Offshore workers are among the most important members of the Gulf Coast workforce. When a person working offshore or on a vessel is injured, the effects on their family can be devastating. At The King Firm, we are proud to have experience with these types of cases and make it a priority to see that our clients receive just compensation and are treated fairly. If you've been injured, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. Ring The King at 504-909-KING or 888-241-8766.
3: Mexican restaurant on Highway One in Raceland is open and ready to please you. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mouth-watering Mexican food daily with delicious specialty dishes like coconut shrimp tacos, Baja fish tacos, plus try the trio burritos or a carne asada. Cocos Mexican has happy hour from 3 to 7 p.m. with two for one margaritas. Delivery service from waiters also available. They're located on Highway One in Raceland next to the post office. Cocos. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana and it won't be long until you can bet on all of your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LAROSE when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LAROSE to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-70-STOP. 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions.
4: Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance.
5: It's a storm of entertainment that brings down the house.
4: Now, back to the sports hangover with Gus Cattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans, the Pelicans' flagship 100.3 FM. To Hudak Takeover again, Maddie Hudak at Maddie Hudak underscore 9-4. In studio with Todd Graffinini, voice of the Pelicans at N.T. Graf. We did just have a little surprise appearance from a... Goose is a winner. Yes. Goose is a winner. Ah, Came back to retrieve uh, the keys and, uh, you know, rubbed the victory. If the face, man I'm is
1: beaming. <laughs> I would be too. Wins are hard to come by.
0: Yeah, They're could, very
1: hard to come by. Oh man. Couldn't
0: be us. Uh, but we were, um, you know, on the break, uh, just kind of, you know, talking about Jameis Winston right. and, and really his, is. it's almost like Shakespearean tragic levels of an end, you know, at the hands of Devin White of all people. Uh, yeah, I won't even, I won't even start that. I'm
1: a big eye roll emoji guy and, uh, I just literally did a human eye roll. Emoji
0: and and I'm gonna look this up after the show and if I can at the break I'll do so at as well but we were just talking about you know it was something that really surprised me from Jameis Winston the most um no you know I, I I was willing again to give him a, a shot that I feel like he very much proved I uh, you know I, I guess a lot of people didn't doubt him I did he proved me very much wrong immediately with his ability to learn from his mistakes by the end of week two. What surprised me was his ability to extend drives with his legs and, and his quickness in recognizing when the right time is to take off. And then having some fake moves in the meantime, yep. that kind of, you know, uh, starved off defenders and allowed him to get third the little, the, and the, the fourth down. The old
1: pump fake, uh, you know, get, get defender up on the air. And that's an extra five, six, seven yards. Every time we talked about it though, when we were at training camp, you were at training camp. You watched a lot of practices he was noticeably thinner than we have seen him in the past. And I think losing that extra 15 to 20 pounds served him very, very well uh, as the year went on. And he was not afraid to run. He actually, you know, now that I think about it, he ran a lot in college. Mm-hmm. And people forget that at Florida State, he was a two-sport athlete. Not only was he obviously a national championship winning quarterback, for Florida State, but he he was a pitcher. He was on the Florida State baseball team. And, look, you know, you can say what you want about pitchers. Uh, I Myself was a former one, but you got to, you know, be in somewhat shape to pitch, uh, you know, in my mind. Um, but it just kind of shows his versatility uh, as an athlete. And, you know, uh, again, it's just – it's a shame. It really is a shame just – I would have loved to have seen how the season would have played out if he would have gone the distance, so to speak, and played 17 games. But, you know, Sean Payne's been here before when he's just going to have to try to piecemeal things in the last eight games. And I thought it was, you know, really ironic the other day uh, watching the Saints game on my lone TV at uh, Moxie's in Dallas and and watching Teddy Two Gloves just carve up. I mean, carve up up the Dallas Cowboys. It was uh it was that and I was I'm high five you know the people next to me who kind of rolled in and uh started pulling for the Saints with me and I was like I love Teddy two gloves. I love Teddy two gloves. It was it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I mean he's nothing short of Saints folklore uh, Absolutely. to me after that. But uh just to kind of go back, I, I think you really, you know, kind of brought up a good point of specifically how much he used his legs in college Mm -hmm. and how that really wasn't something we saw much of. He was a lot
1: bigger, though, in college.
0: Yeah, but it also makes me consider, you know, uh, another layer of Bruce Arian's offense perhaps limiting him as a quarterback and what Sean Payton was not just able to get out of Jameis Winston, but uh, this has been my argument the entire time of, you know, X versus Taysom Hill, All all things aside, is, you know— I I paid attention to the quarterbacks that Sean Payton has, you know, uh coveted in drafts and Patrick Mahomes, uh I believe Lamar Jackson as well and and uh, to me it's always been very clear uh just kind of in the same way that the 49ers, you know, uh, who you know we have them coming up in in a couple of weeks but after their loss to the Bills last season kind of realizing that a pocket passer has to really be Drew Brees level of not just accuracy But decision-making and both of those things have to be at a very high level if you don't have the ability to extend your legs with drives. And so to see the amount of time that Jameis Winston took off running – it, it didn't just seem, you know, inherent. And
1: these aren't design runs, by the way. These right. Are, these are just I'm in trouble. I got to get out of here. Exactly. Of
0: but but it, it you know it's not the same thing as when we saw him under Bruce Arians, where if he was in those same situations, he tried to force the ball that ended and in interceptions. In right. Right. And so to me, it, it, a lot of that has to do with, with you know Sean Payton and the system in which he operates and the a system in which you know uh, the quarterback that won the starting competition was going in terms of a dual threat direction.
1: And not only that, Maddie, but being ingrained in Jameis's head where I can't turn the ball over. I'd rather tuck it up and run than throw it into quadruple coverage and, and throw an interception. So like, like we were talking about, it's, it's
0: kind of very similar to, to Hill
1: in our original, in our original point, he was getting it. He was figuring it out right before our eyes. And the old horse collar. Um, we didn't we go into a pet one of my pet peeves with Gus the other day. How I have so many horse collars are another one because the guy who commits the horse collar gets a fifteen yard fine. Now I know they find uh, gets a fifteen yard penalty. I know they find yeah, Devin the White, the
0: equivalent of a parking ticket.
1: I, right, they find him. Yeah, you get a fifteen yard penalty. You lose some cash. We lose our quarterback for the rest of the year. I don't see the, you know, the evenness in that. It's... Uh,
0: Yeah, it's one of those things to me where, you know, I've seen a lot of dramatic that uh, Devin White should be out for the same time as as Jameis Winston, which like, no, you know, come on, Uh, please from that aspect. But it is, it it is something to consider when you look at the situation in which it happened. Uh, you know, football is a game of split second decisions, and especially on defense, a lot of the time, you're writing with emotion, and just as Marcus Williams miffed the tackle in Minneapolis Miracle, it's that same kind of blip in decision-making where I don't think Devin White was intentionally trying to take out his former teammate. No. He was trying to save what he saw as a mobile threat from converting on an important down. And they grasp what they can, and it's one of those things where the intent might not be there, but actions should have consequences. And why wouldn't you do that if the only consequence at most is a 15 yard penalty when I believe there was one season where there was a player that ended the like careers of four players with horse collar tackles. There's precedent for them being season ending injuries, sometimes career ending injuries. So I do think, you know, especially in light of uh, the officiating that uh, took place in last uh, night's game uh, for the bears and the Steelers who, Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen that gif of James Franco in a movie where he's about to be hung uh, in front of the public and he looks to the guy to the right of him and says, first time? Because that's kind of how I felt watching uh, the reaction of of all of that yesterday.
1: We, our game had just ended, Maddie, and we were getting ready to go on the bus. So I had no idea what was going on. We're in the kind of concourse there at at the uh, event level, at the bottom level of the American Airlines Center and the game's on TV. And I look up, and literally, I I saw what the score was. I had no context. I had no idea what was going on. And the first thing that I see is Marsh running off the field, and Corrente hip-checked him. I went, the referee just hip-checked. He just hip-checked the guy running off the field. And the ref threw the flag. Now, again, I did not see what Marsh had done, um, taunting or whatever. But... that. <laughs> It's crazy because that's literally the first thing I saw. And now, I mean, that's been on every show from 9 o'clock uh, this yeah. morning on. It's just completely blown up. But I had zero context. And the first thing I saw of that game was that very moment. Strange stuff. You got any uh, opinion on what I, – I, I think Marsh – I think he blew it. I, I don't think that – I think Corrente – When he got bumped, he threw the flag. I don't think he was going to throw the flag, but I don't think Mars should have gone to the other sideline personally because they've been calling it all year long.
0: Opinion? My opinion is always going to be that we will pretend that sports are emotionless, uh, you know, all the time and that, you know, Every decision is made with logic and reason when it comes to, you know, choosing a quarterback to hip checking someone in a game. How many
1: people said at the beginning of the year that a taunting call was going to cost somebody a ball game this year? Uh, well, I mean, you could argue that it cost Chicago last night. Darnell Mooney, by the way, props. Darnell Mooney and Cairo. My guy,
0: wave everyone. Cairo uh,
1: won the Lou Groves Award while I was doing play by play. You talk about a great kid. He's uh he's awesome and Darnell Mooney too. He was there when I was uh he was there my last couple of years. He was a freshman and a sophomore, and uh, it's awesome to watch a Skinny kid from Alabama and Darnell Mooney now go to where? I mean seriously, he must have weighed 150 pounds when he started his freshman year. and Now he's catching touchdown passes, two touchdown passes on Monday Night Football. It's pretty awesome.
0: Reminds me of a, perhaps maybe an undersized receiver on the Saints right now who uh, has all things considered outperformed expectations to all of the degrees at his size. So, you know, many guys can sometimes indeed win football games just as much as bull rushers can. Uh, it's just sometimes a question of the matchup, of which uh, the Saints have a very interesting one coming up against the Titans. Yes, they will be without Derrick Henry. They still have Ryan Tannehill. Who to me, if you're going to be looking around at the paramount decision maker in this league, he, he could be one of the smarter quarterbacks that I can think of.
1: Boy, Madeline, I mean, you're, you've been in the radio business now, uh, just, you know, a little under a year though, but that's a tremendous segue as we go into our final segment here on the Hudak takeover on ESPN 100.3 FM. I mean, that's, that's, that's really good stuff. Are we going to talk about the Tennessee Titans on Sunday? Am I going to finally move past? The Atlanta Falcons and move ahead to the Tennessee Titans. Is that what we're going to do in the last segment?
0: Well, you better stay tuned to find out. Uh, we will be right back after this break to uh, wrap up the uh, sports, uh, hangover, Hudak takeover with Maddie Hudak and Todd Grappinini in here, Pelicans flagship 100.3 FM.
3: DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana and it won't be long until you can bet on all of your favorite sports from the comforts of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LAROSE when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LAROSE to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-70-STOP. 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions.
4: Greg LeBlanc Toyota is currently open and here to serve our community with a fresh new inventory arriving daily and over 150 quality pre-owned vehicles. If you have any questions regarding vehicle replacement or you're looking to purchase a new vehicle, we are here to help. Stop by 220 South Hollywood Road or give us a call at 985-876-7210 or visit GregLeBlancToyota.com. GregLablanToyota.com We We are homeless strong. Strong.
3: On August 29th, 2021, Hurricane Ida wreaked havoc on our community, leaving thousands of people feeling helpless, vulnerable, and desperate. We refuse to let insurance companies do the same.
5: At AMO Trial Lawyers, we have assembled a team of not only attorneys, but also contractors, adjusters, engineers, and estimators with the focus of maximizing your claim value and assisting in your recovery.
3: If you think your insurance company isn't treating you fairly, get a name that insurance companies know by calling 985-446-3333. I'm Matt Ori. And I'm David Ardwin. And we are the AMO Advantage.
4: How can we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sport. That's how they talk in the major league. Now back to
3: The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau
0: welcome back to the sports hangover uh featuring uh myself Maddie Hudak at Maddie hudak underscore nine four in studio with the voice of the New Orleans Pelicans Todd Grafanini at N.T. Graf on Twitter uh we've been just kind of round tabling you know this Saints Falcons game uh just kind of you know 24 hour rule let's just pretend that it started uh
4: 36
0: sure and let's pretend that that just ran out so kind of looking forward to like
1: sands to the hourglass
0: yeah or like the uh that's a
1: very old reference on
0: <laughs> on the game last week with uh, no ability to get the game back exactly so uh it, it is weird to me that this will be the second time now that the saints will be facing the Derrick Henry-less Tennessee Titans but uh I think that the Los Angeles uh, Rams got a little bit of a punch in the face yep. uh, with their new acquisition Von Miller and and Matt Stafford and all of the chips they have and all of the uh, Cooper Cup, all of the receivers and tools at their disposal, and they got you know kind of just stomped on by Boat the raced. Titans.
1: Now, full disclosure, people, and again, this is a show of honesty here. I did not watch the Rams Titans game on Sunday night. I was in a glass case of emotion after the Falcons-Saints game, and I was basically lying in a dark hotel room listening to English Premier League soccer talk. It I, is soothing. It is. I wanted nothing to do with National Football League talk because I would have heard that that the Falcons had beaten the Saints earlier that day on a last-second field goal. So I wanted nothing to do with the NFL that night. I, the only thing that I really do know about that game— was Matthew Stafford handed the Tennessee Titans two touchdowns. He threw a Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay-ish type interception. God's plan. Not present Jameis Winston, other than the God's plan.
0: The week two Jameis Winston, that was a flash in the pan.
1: No, I'm talking 30 interception, you know, Tampa Bay Jameis Winston. The Bruce Arians Winston. Correct, correct. That was one. He threw it on a five-yard. I'm just get rid of it in the end zone, intercept at the five-yard line. They go in and score. And the next series was a pick six. So it was 14 to nothing. It's really hard to dig out of a 14-nothing hole when you're giving up two defensive touchdowns, basically. So let's just start very simply on the Saints side, okay? And here's another thing that I was kind of going through my mind when you were talking about the offensive line and what a rough day that they had on Sunday. You know what was really irking me after that game was over, also amongst the many things that irked me? We came out on the first offensive series of that ball game and literally ran it down Atlanta's throat.
0: I mean, Right. Outrush them sixty nine yards to eleven in the first Which quarter. Which is
1: exactly what Sean Payton wants to do. It's exactly what you should
0: do with a third string quarterback.
1: exact establish the run. What does establishing the run do, Maddie? You're a football person. What what can you do when you
0: establish the run game? What opens up? Um in a uh perhaps any other offense but the New Orleans Saints, uh the passing game. Play action.
1: Passing. Which we saw. If teams start creeping
0: up playing the run,
1: then guys should be wide open, right? Well, if you're open, then you gotta catch the ball, which didn't happen. So all of the running that took place in that first series really went all for naught. And I heard Gus's show yesterday talking about, well, we should have kept running. It's really hard to run the football when you're down 24 to 6.
0: We were just talking about the deficit that, you know, Stafford kind of put the Rams in yesterday, but, uh, or not yesterday, but same could be said about at that point, you know, this, what was it, 23 to 6 deficit after the turnover. So yeah, you can't really uh, run out. The game plan goes
1: out the window. And when you're running the football, the clock continues to roll, but possessions are very, you know, precious at that time. And time is of an essence, which we found out as the game ended. And again, Mr. Half Empty, um, after we scored to go up 25-24 and missed the two-point conversion, I looked to the people next to me. I said, we left them too much time.
0: Haven't said that before ever once at all in a game.
1: One minute left is way too much time. And here is the here's the kicker. So they get the big play, and I'm thinking, well, we're, we're in deep trouble. And I literally stand up, and I point at the TV, and I go, fumble it, fumble it. And my goodness, they fumbled it. And the guy who's sitting next to me thought I was an absolute soothsayer. He goes, I can't, they fumbled it. And I'm like, yes, yes. And then we don't get it. They point Atlanta's way, and I literally walked out the door. It's like, I'm not watching this. Again, it's over.
0: First time, gift.
1: It <laughs> could point I, literally to I last week. They fumbled it. Marcus Davenport punched it out.
0: Yeah, so did and the Tampa Bay recover. Buccaneers, and that apparently was an incompletion. So, Ugh. but to me again, uh, you know, this kind of sounds like the pot calling the kettle black when I say, you know, you can't uh, blame an officiating decision when I entirely blame that for the 2018 loss. That being said, Uh, If it does have to come down to the point where it may or may not have been a fumble recovery in order to win you the football game, that's not going to cut it against the Tennessee Titans. You're exactly
1: right. You're exactly right. It can't come down to that. you got to play physical football. I mean, and you you can't make mistakes. And look, the defense has to – got to pressure Tannehill. We know we've got a pretty solid defense, Maddie. It's been proven. Mm -hmm. But if the opposing quarterback is not touched – It doesn't matter if it's Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, Daniel. it doesn't matter. Taylor Heineke. I mean, you're just going down a laundry list right there. We have got to pressure the quarterback. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. The Saints can play with anybody in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. You don't beat Green Bay 38-3, to and you don't beat Tampa Bay. Sorry. You can play with anybody in the NFL. This is going to be, it's going to be a heck of a game, I think, because you know the Saints are going to come out firing, you would think, after what happened on Sunday. So we'll see. I enjoyed it, Madeline. Well done.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, You know, it's uh, been a very football packed uh, day today, but, um, you know, again, I have a legal background. I was almost painfully uh, raised to be a diplomatic contrarian. So I am always here, if nothing else, to offer, you know, the two sides of the coin argument. And, uh, you know, it, to me, it's more fun at this point to just kind of lose it and and say why not than try to, you know, be overly serious and analyze a situation to me at this point where there's only so much analysis you can have.
1: And if you ever had... Ha- Hearing the expression diplomatic contrarian on your bingo card for Sports Talk Radio, you are a winner, ladies and gentlemen. You're a winner.
0: I always do thank my fourth grade teacher, Miss Lonergan, uh, for teaching us the Greek prefixes and suffixes in fourth grade uh, for my extensive verbiage that I uh, like to use on Sports Talk Radio. Um, yeah, this has been uh, honestly a, a great show. I, you know, we talked to a lot of coaches with a lot of college football games coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, my my alma mater being one of them. I will be calling uh, from the sideline this weekend at Tulane against Tulsa again with pregame coverage starting at two and kickoff at three, as co-signed by uh, Coach Fritz. Cheaper, cheap tickets.
1: And don't forget three Pelicans games coming up tomorrow night at home against. Oklahoma City, seven o'clock, Friday night at seven against the Brooklyn Nets and then Saturday at six against the Memphis Grizzlies. So you can go to the